0: Hello everyone. Welcome to The Writing Cabin with Tara Benner. I'm author Tara Benner, and this is my cabin. We all need to escape into story from time to time. So come on in, sit down by the fire, pour yourself a nice hot cup of coffee, and let's talk books. Now, today, instead of kind of the usual podcast, I am going to be reading um, a short story that I wrote for my patrons a few years ago now uh, called Black Cameo. And this short story does contain one major spoiler for the ending of Dark Witch. It also contains one lesser spoiler for an, another book in the series involving Wesley. Um, but I think it'll only pique your curiosity ruin rather than ruining any surprises. And... Um, it's been so long since I wrote this, I can't even remember what those spoilers are, so this is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> if you are a regular listener of the show, I would love to know if you prefer these um, episodes where I do short stories or novellas, or if you really like the kind of more personal show with the me telling you what I'm up to. I am kind of doing a mix right now, but if there's a clear preference for one or the other, please let me know. But without any further ado, here is Black Cameo, part one. I'm sorry I roped you into this, said Fiona, turning to Wesley with an apologetic grimace. They'd just pulled up in front of the wind chime inn, where Bellamy was already waiting. Bellamy had dragged Fiona into an auction that morning, claiming he needed her opinion. He was bidding on antique furniture for the bed and breakfast, And, as it turned out, he'd been completely uninterested in what she thought about it. What he'd really needed was someone with a truck to haul his purchases back to the inn. Fiona didn't own a truck, but her neighbor Wesley did. The auction was held a block away from the diner Wesley frequented after his nighttime shift, and Fiona had a sneaking suspicion that running into him hadn't been a coincidence. "'It's no big deal,' said Wesley, who'd been a surprisingly good sport." When you have a truck, people are always asking you to move their stuff. Besides, Bellamy promised me some of those mushroom tartlets he brought over to your place that one time. You're doing all this for some portobello tartlets? asked Fiona doubtfully. She'd shut down any prospect of romance with Wesley ages ago, so that couldn't be his motivation. What can I say? I'm a tart for some tarts. Wesley cringed at his own joke. No, actually, I've been wanting to get a room at the B&B for a while. Sort of a romantic staycation, he rolled his eyes. i go anywhere to get away from Gabriel for a while, but this place is really nice. Wesley went a bit pink around the ears, and Fiona felt suddenly awkward. Of course, she thought, Wesley had a new girlfriend. He had a girlfriend whom he probably wanted to spend some time with, away from the prying, supernaturally good ears of his hunter brother and Fiona. Oh yeah, she choked. "'I bet Bellamy would do that. You should just ask.' "'I wouldn't expect a room for free,' Wesley added. "'I don't know if you've seen the rates he's charging here, but it's insane. And I'm a civil servant. Maybe I can get the friends and furniture mover discount.' "'You should,' said Fiona, blowing past the awkwardness as quickly as she could. "'Especially since Bellamy bought another armoire while we were loading the desk. "'You're kidding.' "'Sorry, they're holding it for us until noon.' As it was, the bed of Wesley's old red pickup was sagging under the weight of an early American hutch, two wingback chairs, and a cherry wood secretary's desk. The desk was the only thing Fiona actually liked. Like nearly all of the furniture at the bed and breakfast, it looked like a relic from someone's grandma's house. Given the fact that Winona and Bellamy purchased almost everything from auctions and estate sales, it probably was from someone's grandma's house. But there was something about the desk that intrigued Fiona nonetheless. It sat on four delicate Queen Anne-style legs and had delicate cherry blossoms carved along the face. The flowers seemed to wrap around the tarnished brass lock at the top of the drop-down door. It came down to create a level writing surface, and the inside was full of little drawers and compartments. Back at the auction house, Fiona had been standing too close to Bellamy to notice, but when she climbed into the bed to help lift it out, she got a tickle on the back of her neck that felt a lot like ether. We better hurry, said Wesley, unstrapping the desk and glancing up at the sky. It looks like it's going to rain. Fiona didn't bother to mention that Bellamy could shift the storm through his command of the elements. She was too busy staring at the desk. When she lifted one end to scoot it out of the bed, she felt the familiar tingle travel up her arms. There was definitely something magical about Bellamy's desk, but she decided not to mention it. On the off chance that Bellamy decided he didn't want to keep it, she and Wesley would be stuck moving it again. Where do you want it? Wesley asked Bellamy as they navigated through the cramped entryway of the inn. Upstairs in the servants' quarters, last door on the right. Servants' quarters, Fiona huffed, growing more annoyed by the minute. Somehow she and Wesley had gotten stuck doing all the heavy lifting while Bellamy just stood there directing them. It's not the servants' quarters anymore, he said. It's just the only room that's not reserved for guests. Navigating the stairs with the heavy desk proved tricky. The house had been built long before there was such a thing as building codes, so the staircase was unusually narrow with steep, uneven steps. On one side was the intricate railing with hand-carved balusters. On the other was a wall that displayed dozens of old black and white photographs, carefully preserved in mismatched brass filigree frames. Wesley went up first, so Fiona wouldn't have to walk backwards. Bellamy followed a few paces behind, hissing nervously any time Fiona veered too far to one side. Her sweaty hands slipped and slid over the desk's sleek surface, and as Wesley's end pitched higher, something inside the desk rolled down toward her end. "'What was that?' snapped Bellamy. "'Probably just a loose screw,' said Wesley. "'There shouldn't be any screws,' said Bellamy, as though Wesley were very dense. "'It's an antique. All the edges should be dovetailed joints.' well, maybe somebody left something inside. When they finally cleared the landing, Fiona breathed a huge sigh of relief that she hadn't dropped Bellamy's priceless antique desk down a flight of stairs. Wesley led the way to the room at the end of the hall, and they shuffled sideways to get the desk in. The servants' quarters was a narrow room with a steeply pitched dormer ceiling. The one long stretch of wall was taken up by a daybed, which was draped in a frilly comforter with a red and pink rosebud pattern. The single window was dressed with red gingham curtains, a pattern that clashed attractively with the bedspread. There was a single piece of art hanging on the wall, a dull oil painting of a farmhouse in the middle of a hayfield. Under the window was a small glass cabinet that displayed a collection of Hummel figurines. There was a rosy-cheeked boy in a Tourillion hat carrying a knapsack, his red lips parted in song. A little girl sat on a split-rail fence with a basket of apples at her feet. "'She was staring off to the side in a way that made Fiona feel as though she was staring right at her. "'There was another little girl holding a pig, which Fiona had just found confusing. "'This used to be where Winona slept whenever she had to stay late or come in early,' Bellamy explained. "'Wesley looked around and nodded politely. "'It's... creepy?' Fiona finished, just as Wesley said, "'Cozy.'" "'Thank you,' said Bellamy, with a gracious nod at Wesley. "'Now it's where I will sleep, think, and pen my novel.'" your novel? Yes, said Bellamy, puffing out his chest. I've always wanted to write a novel, but my apartment never had the right je ne sais quoi. And this place does, Fiona muttered. What's your novel about? asked Wesley, sounding genuinely curious. Fiona could have kicked him. One never asked Bellamy about any creative pursuits, unless one wanted to spend the next 40 minutes nodding politely while he prattled on without so much as pausing for breath. Bellamy out a theatrical sigh, and a far-off look came over him. "'It's about a very handsome, small-town innkeeper who dreams of becoming a writer,' Fiona rolled her eyes. "'He's immensely gifted, but doesn't know it. He grapples with an inner darkness that is so—' Bellamy broke off, his hand outstretched, as though he were trying to pluck the right words from the air. "'Where do you want the desk?' Wesley interrupted, apparently seeing where this conversation was headed." Across from the window is fine, said Bellamy, with a haughty wave of his hand. Clearly he didn't appreciate being interrupted. Fiona and Wesley shuffled around, but the room was too narrow to carry the desk from the sides. In the end, Fiona took the back and Wesley took the front, and they scooted it against the tiny bit of wall on the other side of the daybed. As they moved it, Fiona heard that rattling noise again, and Wesley carefully opened the top so they could look inside. Inside the desk were several small drawers and little compartments for stationery and letters. The drawers had little brass pulls that clicked musically against the wood, but that wasn't the sound Fiona had heard when they carried the desk upstairs. Wesley opened all the drawers but didn't find any loose screws. He tinkered with the compartments for several minutes, unwilling to give up on finding whatever had been rattling around. Fiona heard him fiddling with one of the drawers but had no idea what he was doing. Aha said Wesley after a moment, withdrawing his head from the compartment. he pulled out one of the tiny dovetailed drawers and beckoned Bellamy closer. My dad had a desk like this. It also had a hidden compartment. Look, this one has a false back. Bellamy bent closer, suddenly enthralled, and Wesley showed him how a piece of wood behind the drawer lifted away from the desk. He stuck his hand inside, feeling around, and withdrew something shiny, "'What is that?' asked Bellamy, his eyes lighting up. "'No idea. Some kind of necklace.' "'It looks old,' said Bellamy, "'snatching it out of Wesley's hand and holding it up to the light.' "'Fiona leaned in closer to get a better look "'and saw what Wesley had found. "'It was a black cameo pendant on a thick gold chain. "'The pendant itself was oval, perhaps an inch long, "'with a gold frame and a silhouette of a woman "'with long flowing curls.' The detail was so fine and the material so close to translucent that she looked as though she could have been made of white smoke. She floated against the jet black background with a mournful look in her eyes. It's a locket, said Bellamy after closer inspection. See? Fiona squinted at the pendant. It was extra thick and seemed to have three plates of gold all fitted neatly together. Bellamy tried to open it, but it appeared to be stuck. He wedged a nail into the crevice between the two halves, but still the locket wouldn't budge. Wesley tried next. He couldn't get it to open either. The plates appeared to be fused together. After a moment, Bellamy snatched the locket back, probably afraid that Wesley would break it. "'What do you think it could be worth?' he asked. Fiona shrugged. "'I've never seen a cameo like that. If it's really old, it could be worth a lot. You should take it down to one of the antique shops in town.' and be cheated by one of those old ninnies? Bellamy shook his head. I'll do my own research, thanks. Fiona took the pendant from him and nearly dropped it on the ground. A sharp tingle had shot up her arm, almost like an electric shock. The locket was emanating a ton of ether, and something about it gave her a chill. It's magical, she said to Bellamy, turning it over in her palm. Or it was owned by a witch. How do you know? Bellamy asked, snatching the locket back. The ether, said Fiona. I can feel it. It doesn't feel good. It wasn't easy to imbue objects with ether. Fiona only knew of one family that could do it. Bellamy rolled his eyes. Honestly, Fiona, not everything and everyone is possessed by a demon. He tucked the cameo in his pocket and gave it an affectionate pat. I'm sure it's completely fine. By the following evening, the gray clouds that had been threatening rain morphed into a real autumn storm. A cold front had blown in from the west, bringing a torrential downpour and great rolls of thunder that rattled the window panes. Fiona had spent the day deep cleaning the apothecary, and by nightfall she was ready to curl up on the couch with a vegetarian pizza to watch the Buffy marathon that was playing. She'd just taken her pizza out of the oven when she heard a frantic banging on the door that led into her kitchen. Fiona hesitated. She knew she should answer it. Only her friends knew to come to the side door. But this was her night to veg out. As she grappled with indecision, the banging grew more insistent. Coming, she called, stifling a groan. Buffy and Angel were calling her name, and her pizza was getting cold. She opened the door, expecting Wesley or Gabriel, and found Bellamy standing in the rain. He was wearing a red velvet smoking jacket over designer sweatpants and a pair of suede house slippers that were completely soaked. It was unlike Bellamy to allow his footwear to be ruined by the elements. His leather vast sundowner still looked brand new because he refused to go hiking if it was muddy. Something was very, very wrong. "'What's going on?' Fiona asked as Bellamy pushed his way into the kitchen. His carefully coiffed hair was dripping wet from the rain, but it was so saturated with product that it managed to stay perfectly erect. His lips were turning blue from the cold, and the rest of his face was a sickly shade of white. Where's Eleanor? He choked, clearly out of breath. He must have power walked there in the pouring rain. Upstairs. Fiona jerked her head toward the ceiling, from which she could hear the night Chicago died blaring from the record player. Bellamy, what's wrong? Bellamy's eyes flickered from side to side, and when he spoke, his voice betrayed a reluctance to admit the reason he'd come there that night. The inn. I need some help. Something's... Well, I think I'm being haunted. Haunted? By whom? I don't know, he snapped. Will you please just get your sister and come over? Okay, Fiona stammered, taken aback by how shaken Bellamy was. Eleanor? She didn't need to shout. She knew her sister would be able to hear her, even over the music. Eleanor stopped the record. Yeah? Bellamy needs you. Come again? Bellamy needs you, Fiona bellowed, inviting a cringe from their guest. Eleanor must have been just as curious as Fiona was, because a second later, there was a blur of movement and Eleanor appeared at the foot of the stairs. Since she was a vampire, nighttime was her morning. She was dressed for the day in a pair of blue jeans with holes in the knees and a Creedence Clearwater Revival tea. "'What's going on?' she asked, running a hand through her messy, dark waves. "'I need you to come to the inn,' said Bellamy. "'I think I'm being haunted.' He swallowed after he said the last word, as if he was embarrassed to admit what he thought the problem was. Eleanor raised both eyebrows and glanced at Fiona. "'You know that I'm a vampire, right? I can't actually see spirits anymore.' When she'd been a living witch, Eleanor had been like a magnet for spirits. It was the reason she'd started dosing herself with vampire blood and how she'd ended up as one when she died. "'But you know about these things,' Bellamy insisted, as if he could somehow force a situation to make sense if he could get Eleanor's opinion. Eleanor shrugged. "'I mean, every spirit behaves differently. But I don't really have any plans for tonight, so why not?' "'Sure, I'll come assess your haunting.' Bellamy didn't even seem offended by Eleanor's lukewarm agreement to help. He just looked relieved as he turned to Fiona. Will you drive? It's freezing outside. Sure, let me just change. There's no time, Bellamy wailed. This thing is terrorizing my guests. Uh, Fiona gestured wordlessly down in her llama print pajamas. She wasn't exactly dressed for a public appearance. Bellamy just bugged out his eyes in a panic. Fiona, this is an emergency. Fine, fine, keep your shirt on. I'll go warm up the car. When they pulled up in front of the wind chime in, Fiona had to admit that the place looked as though it could be haunted. Thick storm clouds blotted out the moon and stars, and the shadows cast by the giant hedges made the rambling old Victorian seem glooming and imposing. They all climbed out of Fiona's blue beetle, and a gust of wind blew cold rain in their faces and sent leaves skittering across the pavement. Fiona had thrown a raincoat on over her PJs, and she hugged the collar tighter to keep the chill from sneaking down the front. Bellamy led the way up the old porch steps, which creaked underfoot just like they did in the movies. Bellamy paused outside the front door, looking vaguely sick. Are we gonna go inside? asked Fiona. Eleanor, said Bellamy, nodding at the door. You go first. Why do I have to go in first? Because you're a vampire, Bellamy reasoned you can't die again. That's really offensive, said Eleanor in a deadpan voice, though Fiona knew she was just messing with him. How is that offensive? Bellamy spluttered. Vampires are immortal. You're asking me to be a human shield just because I'm undead. Bellamy looked helplessly at Fiona, who was trying very hard not to laugh. How about I go in first? She volunteered, hoping to put an end to the argument. She just wanted to solve Bellamy's haunting as quickly as possible, so she could get back to her couch and her pizza. Good idea. Fiona pulled the front door open and stepped into the foyer. She felt around on the wall for a light switch, but when she finally flipped it, nothing happened. Your power's out. No shit, Sherlock, Bellamy grumbled. That always happens when a place is haunted. Our power wasn't out, Fiona said to Eleanor, choosing to ignore his rudeness. Weird, Eleanor agreed glancing around. At least she could see in the dark. Bellamy felt his way over to the reception area, bumping into an end table and nearly knocking over a porcelain vase. Finally, Fiona heard what sounded like the flick of a match, and a dim glow illuminated the front desk. Bellamy was holding an old-timey oil lamp, which cast long eerie shadows down his pale face. Fiona rolled her eyes. Thanks, Downton Abbey, but do you have any flashlights? They're in the kitchen with the emergency preparedness kit. So go get them. Bellamy hesitated, throwing a nervous glance at the doorway that led back into the kitchen. I think there's something you should see. Well, that brings us to the end of Black Cameo Part 1. I will be back next week with Part 2. I'm really sorry I didn't emphasize the spoiler more in the beginning because I had forgotten that the spoiler was that Eleanor is now a vampire. Um, like I said, it's been a really long time since I wrote this, and I just read it straight through without re-reading it first. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I hope that wasn't too big of a shock to you guys. I really downplayed the spoiler, and I shouldn't have. But, uh, Thank you so much for listening and I will see you all next week.